Why is it that we're here tonight? Are we here to remember the political execution of a small-time failed messiah? A man who got in the way of efficient government and reasonable religion and ended up crushed between the gears of power? Are we here to celebrate the redemption of the world by its creator and Lord? We're here tonight to do both those things. Here at the center of the cross, where the horizontal of our human story meets the vertical of God's story. Where God's story is this very human story. A story of suffering, betrayal, misunderstanding, false accusations. A story with a cynical ruler who asks, what is truth? but pays attention to the opinion of the crowd above all things. A story with soldiers, people forced to do violence because of their work, people who then succumb to the temptation to engage in a little looting. It's a story that ends with a man left by the road into town to die to die visibly as an example for those who would challenge the powers. In so many ways, it's a story that repeats itself and has repeated itself so many times. And just as with all those other times, the small handful of people who love him are crushed. And yet, life continues. People go about their days. Preparations for the Passover continue. For the majority of the world, what meaning does all this hold? Not much, really. Politics, executions, violence are nothing new. And it's a shame. But what can you do? Yet somehow, two millennia later, here we are, tonight, claiming that this one, this execution, this story of sorrow, is also at the heart of all of life. We claim that these great three days are the hinge around which the universe rotates, a moment into which the whole story of life is distilled. This is the time when an instrument of shame and death is also the means of life and glory. This is the time when we, the church, look at the cross with two sets of eyes. We look at the cross and we see all our sorrow, our failure, our betrayal and mutual hatred. And we also look at the cross in light of the resurrection of Jesus and see another meaning that was there also all along. 
that in this cross, and more so in the person who hangs upon it, in the love of Jesus, even in the face of evil and suffering, we see the character of God. There are certain streams of Christian piety that tend to suggest that Jesus' death was somehow worse than any other death in history. That he suffered more, if it's even possible to quantify suffering. That he bled more blood and endured more whips. I don't think that that is exactly true. Jesus came among us to be so deeply one of us that he didn't even need to be spectacular in that way. He died truly as one of us, mostly anonymous, mostly ignored. That idea rests on a partial truth, which is the idea that Jesus is suffering somehow atones for the sins of the world. And yes, it does so, but not in the model of a spreadsheet where an accountant totals up balances and says, one whip for one sin. As if Jesus must have received the sum total of all the world's ills in one fell swoop. That's not the kind of God that the scriptures show us. The God of Jesus Christ is not a God of torture, not a God of violence. The God of Jesus and the God of Israel is the lover of mercy, forgiveness, never-ending love. It is not God who killed Jesus, nor, of course, is it the Jewish people, as some readings of the Gospel of John can indeed suggest. The Jewish Christians who were part of the community that produced that gospel would have shrunk back in revulsion from the way their text has been used through the centuries to justify persecution and genocide of God's chosen people. As Christians ourselves have been all too ready to wield those same gears of power and to become perpetrators of the same kind of violence and torture. But the fact is that the crucifixion of Jesus is all too common, too human. How many millions over time have suffered in a way like Jesus did? As far as anyone can tell, pointlessly. There's a terrifying, impersonal kind of randomness that characterizes so much of the suffering of human existence, both the kind that we inflict on each other and the kind that just seems to happen for no reason at all. The victims of war in Ukraine, in Ethiopia, in Myanmar, Yemen, Afghanistan, and other places raging at this day. Those who die in acts of gun violence, like those we've read about in just the last weeks, those who die at the hands of their own loved ones. Those who die in natural disasters or simple freak accidents. 
None of these people choose to suffer, deserve to suffer more than someone else. And there's no apparent reason why they do. Not all of us will be victims of that kind of spectacular tragedy. But all of us will be touched by some form of suffering. Some form of suffering that is unexpected and that seems unfair. It might come in the form of an illness. Maybe your own. Maybe that of someone that you love. It may have come for you already or may yet come in the hopelessness of depression, the gnawing everyday anxiety of poverty, the end of a relationship with a friend or lover or child. To be human is to suffer, at least sometimes just as it is to live in this beloved world that is God's good creation and is also so beautiful and has in it joy, but is under bondage, a deep insight of Christian theology that is also just the stuff of everyday experience. Step outside or read the newspaper and you will know that our world is under captivity to evil and sin and death. So where do we hear good news in all this? There would be none. Except that what we do tonight doesn't stand on its own. Today we commemorate the cross and the tomb. And today we need to linger there. But this liturgy also does not end tonight. It began yesterday and continues tomorrow. Tomorrow after sunset, we will gather in darkness and new light to wait for a proclamation of good news. Tomorrow night, the resurrection is foregrounded. Tonight, it's present only in mystery. But what we do tonight is not a passion play. We don't come to Good Friday each year with a kind of recurring amnesia as if we had to forget about the resurrection in order to celebrate the cross. We are people of the resurrection. And it's only in light of the resurrection that there is anything worth celebrating about the cross. And yet tonight, with resurrection eyes, we can also look at that cross and at the precious human being hanging on it and say, here is love. Here is the extent of God's love. We can dare to look at this Friday and somehow name it good. We can look at the cross and see what John the evangelist sees there. Glory. Triumph. A meaningless waste is now proof that God is present with us even in the bleakness. That God is truly Emmanuel, God with us, 
a name that we celebrate at Christmas time, but that finds its true fullness tonight. As Jesus lives our life and our death firsthand, such is the humility of God.